Welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Elder Scrolls Legends. This episode is sponsored by Team Rankstar and Inked Gaming. Visit TeamRankstar.com for all the latest Tesla news, and visit Inked Gaming and use the code TRS12 to get 12% off your next order of customized gaming gear. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the Elder Scrolls Legends, focusing on the cards, the meta, and the community around the game. I am your host, Mark Lutz, and I'm honored to have you listening with us today. I'm from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me, I have a Tessel uh, YouTube uh, creator, uh, I think I think streamer. I'm like, no, no, I'm getting a, a, a head shake. I, I, I used to stream. It's it's on and off it's it comes with the seasons sporadic streamer <laughs> and, and definitely definitely um content creator for youtube i have uh dt blade with me dt blade how are you doing man i'm doing excellent man just got back from vacation got a solid 15 hours of sleep today feeling great that's doing, awesome man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I did not just get back from vacation, um, but my wife is due with our second child any day. And so we're like, we're like just trying to get ready. Like just Got the bag by the door, just ready to go. All just times. trying to get ready. Yeah. Um, went to the doctors today. It's not yet. So luckily, because I have like tremendous, I have so much going on at work right now. I really need to buy like another six days. If I could buy another six days, I'll be, I'll be feeling pretty good but this really isn't about whether or not my wife is having a baby this is about the elder scrolls legends um and uh and so tell tell us man what have you been doing in legends we know i like i know that you are um kind of like a theory crafter deck creator um you're pretty creative and you you create a lot of decks that the community um sort of turns around and becomes popularized by what you're doing so people are watching you and seeing what you're creating you have a lot of influence in that way on the meta of the game because obviously if people are taking your deck and taking it on the ladder that it that is the meta um so what have you been playing in legends and did you get a chance to play while you're on vacation uh so no i did not unfortunately get a chance to play that much uh, i'm really looking forward to using the new crab scription uh, i guess that's what people are calling it <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I think I called it like Rusty Shorts or something last <laughs> week. I don't know. <laughs> I refuse to even put it in a deck. Uh, I am looking forward to trying it out as uh, I, I like neutral decks, so that's a lot of fun. Um, okay. Lately, I haven't really been building anything new. We're at that kind of tail end of the uh, expansions where I feel like I kind of tapped into all of my recent stuff, but still having a lot of fun with Consume, um, playing that in Warrior right now. Uh Tinkering mm. Assassin's kind of my calling card. Uh, that's still going strong. Tried to get back on Slay. Um, rest in peace, Valkyrie the Filer. Uh, but mm. wanted to come back to that to see if that was still a thing. Uh, those have been the main kind of triads recently. Yeah, I mean, Slay is one of the, in my opinion, one of the coolest mechanics and one of the most rewarding to sort of get off well. Um, and whenever they released the fork, that was kind of like, the only card I really wanted to play with for like <laughs> a long time. Mm-hmm. Like that was, that was it. And I played Halalu Slay 
um, leading up to Alliance War, from, from Owl Madness up to Alliance War, I basically played only one deck, and it was Halalu Slay the whole time. Um, basically because of the one card in there, it's a four mana, three, four, that summons a target, and whenever you slay something, yep. you get to draw a card from your deck, and if it's an action, you make it cost zero. And that card is so much fun, especially if you get like a couple of uh, uh, of the, the sanctuaries down. Mm-hmm. So you can draw maybe two or three cards even. And if any of them are actions, discount them to zero. And if you're lucky and you draw rage, then you rage with her, <laughs> clear the rest of the board and draw maybe like six or seven more cards. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, definitely. It was so hard to get off. But once you do get it off, so, so rewarding. Mm-hmm. So rewarding. So you're hoping to tinker around with some of the the mud crab shenanigans that I'm seeing on ladder right now. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, personally, it's not my favorite kind of card, but everybody loves mud crabs, and I love neutral cards. So anything that well, gives that kind of deck a push is cool, in my opinion. Why do people love mud crabs? I don't know, man. I mean, I actually, as much as I play this game, I haven't played um, Elder Scrolls games in general, besides. Skyrim a fair amount, but I am nowhere near as hardcore as most of this community is, so I'm sure, sure there's a lot of, like, in-game stuff, but, I mean, they're cool. <laughs> they're yeah. these pathetic little crabs that come together to do work. I played I played a, a lot of Skyrim, like an unhealthy amount of Skyrim, <laughs> um, but it's, as everyone says in the community, it's Elder Scrolls are not easy games to go backwards with, um, and, you know, once I played Skyrim, I tried to go back to Oblivion and just couldn't do it couldn't even get out of the prison um, at the beginning of the game. So, yeah, I'm not like the hardcore, like have played all of them and know all of this lore. I just really enjoy the lore and enjoy enjoy the setting. And Skyrim was probably one of my favorite games of just all time. Um, that's what kind of drew me into to this game. So that's cool. You're going to be experimenting. So I'm assuming there can be some folks who follow you on YouTube who could be looking forward to some mud crab YouTube shenanigans soon. Definitely. Yeah, definitely this week. I, I wish I could have done it sooner, but I mean, month, month turned over while I was on vacation. Yeah, timing. yeah. And it's good. It's good. Once you're on vacation to sort of take a break and unplug, not just from, you know, uh, uh, from the rest of your life, but sometimes just unplugging from technology and everything that you have going on is a really healthy thing to do. Um, otherwise, it's it's pretty easy to get burnt out um, if you're working all the time. And then on top of that, creating all this content for this game, it, it can be really easy to get burnt out and just mm-hmm. be sick of it and not do any of it anymore. Definitely, man. I mean, it was wonderful. It's just Friday before I left, I scheduled all of my videos to, to release at a certain time. And honestly, it sounds kind of horrible, and I, I hope people don't uh, – they don't give me give me anything for it. But just not even reading YouTube comments for a couple of days, just kind of mm-hmm. releasing the content and just kind of turning a blind eye for a couple of days, it's, 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 it's nice to recharge that way. Uh, yeah. Sometimes the internet can take a toll on you. Yeah, that, that's one of the things it does best. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it can be it can be really encouraging and the Internet can. But generally is is just discouraging and destructive. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons that I'm not on social media, because there was never a time that I looked at Facebook and I didn't end up just being discouraged in general about 
humanity. Um, so I think, you know, it's good for our listeners to kind of get to know people and get to know the people who are on the show. And of course, I'm really honored to have you on the show. You were somebody who came up really quick inside of our Discord channel, a little rep for our Discord channel there, um, to uh, to get you on the show whenever we could. So um, it's awesome to have you on. Um, to get to know you a little bit better, though, I'm going to have you share a little bit about kind of like what got you into this. But let's kick off for a question that came through our Discord from Deadbroke Nerd. And I think this will give us a great idea of, of kind of who you are as a gamer, what you enjoy. Deadbrook Nerd says, what is DT Blade's favorite genre of fiction? And what is his favorite example of of his of a said game kind of like in that genre of fiction? Oof. Uh, so I'm actually kind of disappointed in myself for this, but I haven't read I've actually been reading as much as I used to in high school. Back in high school, despite being super busy with, you know, school, football, I was in musicals, all that stuff. I used to read probably on average around a book a week. Um, Holy and that cow, just that's a lot of reading. Fell off. Oh, yeah, like hundreds of pages a day. Uh, but I completely fell off once I got into college, and I'm very disappointed in myself for that. But I've always been more into either um, – back in high school, it was more either um, kind of realistic fiction, fiction regarding um, either – psychologically just kind of broken teenagers uh, i don't know if that was a statement on who i was back then uh, but also <laughs> we were <laughs> all really a little angsty fantasy. back in high school man just like yeah, it was just mm-hmm. like my little emo phase of wanting to to feel like i had people like me mm-hmm. um but also a lot of fantasy so like anything with you know dragons whatever I, ironically enough or i guess not ironically enough on brand enough um but yeah lots of fantasy books um there was this one series that had like nine or ten books in it and they were all super long i can't remember the name uh maybe i still have them in my closet somewhere mm. uh, yeah so like the Elder girls games are great examples of that um big fan of the bioshock games uh, these kind of weird dystopian steampunky kind of games yeah those were wonderful sure um that's yeah i guess that's the, the closest one to a book for me yeah, I, I, when we're talking about genres of fantasy in general, fantasy would have like classic fantasy, which is kind of what you're saying, like some mm-hmm. pretty classic fantasy stuff. Classic fantasy had been the thing that I always loved until I discovered when it comes to games, this isn't a video game, but it's an RPG, a tabletop RPG um, done by Evil Hat Productions called Blades in the Dark, which is a dystopian sort of steampunk future, um, sort of like a post-apocalyptic um, setting. And uh, I have really fallen in love with some of those that that sort of dystopian future um in uh, that kind of setting in in some of the genres and, and things that are coming out for it have been uh more sci-fi in my diet recently than than before and i think you can kind of get into that with some with some steampunky stuff for sure but if anyone's out there looking for a good new tabletop rpg 25 bucks blades in the dark maybe the absolute best tabletop rpg i've ever played in my life oh, wow. i've played a pretty pretty good handful of different ones um it ranks up in there with me with a game called burning wheel which is probably the best fantasy rpg i've ever played but blades in the dark freaking unbelievable if you want to play a a gang of thieves um and brutes in a post-apocalyptic steampunk futuristic city blades in the dark is is the game to do it and it's it's super cool so tell us a little about yourself man how did you get into gaming in general tessel um card games what's your what's your story uh sure so gaming in general i honestly can't even put a date on it i feel like as far back in my life as i can remember um maybe the furthest back i can remember is playing super nintendo with my parents when i was really young 
Mm. Um, but I, I can't put a date on the start. It's kind of just been forever. Uh, as long as I've been cognizant, I've been playing games. Um, but as far as Tesla itself goes, it kind of came along at like a perfect slash right time in my life. Um, I had just gotten laid off from my very first job out of college. Um, and I was kind of sitting at home and it was probably the second or third week after getting laid off. So it was after it's no longer super cool to have all this free time anymore. And I'm the type of person where I start getting antsy of like, I need to do something. Uh, I feel useless sitting around all day. Um, so I started looking up, I had done YouTube in the past. So I started looking up something else that I wanted to, to play for YouTube. And I just happened to go on, I don't know, insert generic gaming news site here, GameSpot, mm-hmm, whatever. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, and there was an article that there was an Elder Scrolls game that was entering beta. Um, and I had, you know, fiddled around with Hearthstone a little bit in the past. Played Yu-Gi-Oh! when I was a kid, but never really got super hardcore in any card game. But I was like, you know what? Skyrim is fun. This game's in open beta. I'll download it and just start playing it. Um, kind of got hooked right away. I think I spent like two or three days almost straight when I wasn't applying for jobs. I was recording um, Tesla Story Mode gameplay. Um, and it kind of just took off from there and didn't really expect it to be anything more than just a constructive use of my free time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just really enjoyed it a lot. And looking back at those videos now, I mean, A, they were horrible. B, I'm horrible at the game. But uh, <laughs> I was really thankful that the game came along when it did. And I think that's why it's kind of uh, stuck with me this long. So what stage was the game in when you first sort of started creating content? Was it like really early stages or like open beta? Were you in? Um, was it like after the I mean, I know the game became popular. I came into it during Skyrim. Yeah, I started probably the week it went into open beta, if not like almost immediately, like very very soon after okay so you were i mean a lot of content creators for this game that started back then have quit i mean (laughs) you've got to be one of the long-standing content creators for this game i mean a lot of the people who are popular streamers popular content creators right now really weren't create it may have been playing back then but they weren't content creating all the way back then think off the top of my head and i i don't want to offend anyone because there's so many content creators but i think off the top of my head the only people still around besides me from back then i think is charmer and maybe mad oblivion I, I i could be wrong and i don't know their exact start times but i believe they were both around back then as well yeah i mean matt was definitely around towards the beginning he, he obviously creates less content now for tesla mm-hmm. than than what he used to um, and you've primarily been YouTube. Like, that's been the thing that you've gone to for content creation for the game has been your YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, I actually, I mean, I, I talked about this, I think. I don't know. I, I went on, like, a Twitter rant about myself uh, the other day. But it was more <laughs> so of, like, I, I think personally, my personality and just in general, I think I'm a better streamer than a YouTuber. Uh, but just with my work schedule, like, how much I work. And um, for some reason, streaming takes more of a toll on my mental health than youtube does uh, okay. so those two put together is the reason why i don't stream more despite thinking i'm better at it than youtube mm. uh, youtube is just it it's very schedule flexible uh, so it just works out so card games were you playing other card games prior to this did was there a physical card game that got you into the tcg marketplace um or was is elder scrolls legends like the first card game that you got into uh first one that i could say i got into quote unquote hardcore 
Um, played Yu-Gi-Oh! as a kid, but honestly, I played for months without ever even knowing the actual rules. I think my friends and I just kind of made up our own thing. I mean, most of us watched okay. the TV show and mm-hmm. then just shouted things and put cards on the table. Yeah, yeah. they broke all their own <laughs> rules in the show anyway, so I was like, mm-hmm. if Yu-Gi can do it, I can do it too. Sure, yeah. Believe in um, part of the cards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did play some Hearthstone, never anything constructed or anything like that. I would say I was on the level of casual where... I would log in on Wednesday or Thursday, play whatever the new Tavern Brawl was for the week, and mm. that was kind of it. Okay. Uh, and that was kind of the extent of me with card games until... Really? Interesting. Uh, Tesla came around, yeah. I mean, most people who are in the Tesla community, like they, they have some sort of... I mean, most people who are, are content creating for a card game have some sort of a history with... A, a, a bit of a more robust history with card games and that that's nothing against you it's just interesting because um you know this is kind of the first one that you've taken seriously and you're great at it i mean you're a great deck builder i mean most people bring some sort of history of deck building from a previous game into tessel and you really don't yeah uh, i mean i i honestly i almost feel i, I don't think imposter is the right word uh, but when I'm talking to people, they're they're all got like 15 years of magic experience or they mm-hmm. can rattle off a list of card games that have came and went that they played or that they were beta testers for and all of this stuff. And probably their collective years of between all the different card game is probably longer than my life. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of sitting here like trying to be taken seriously. I mean, I think at this point I've been playing the game long enough to where I can be. But early on, I, I almost had this kind of feeling of like, why watch me play this game on YouTube when... Half the time, like, I, I, I barely knew how to play what was on Curve, or um, I was still learning what an aggro deck was versus a control deck uh, while mm. making content for the game. Um, but I think people kind of gravitated towards that, because I, I, I think the fact of the matter is most people playing card games and games in general aren't these um, super hardcore, super experienced people. I think a lot of people are just your, your average Joes that think the game is fun and sure, can they relate to that not and, knowing yeah they downloaded it because they got some sort of cross promotional or because they like skyrim and they saw this is advertised as the skyrim ccg which personally i think is awful marketing yeah <laughs> uh, awful like the worst marketing um like hey we're not a real game we're just this thing that you could do because you like skyrim <laughs> And then every time you put out something that doesn't involve Skyrim, like screw you guys, I'm not playing this game anymore. Anyway, that's a tangent. Um, but uh, I mean, what do you think? Like, do you think there's some? I mean, you, there, there's obviously some benefit to have played other card games before you come to a game like Tessel. Um, but there's also probably some net positives in the fact that you haven't played other card games. I mean, there are some bad habits that you can pick up from other card games that if you you didn't have them. You don't. You don't bring. I mean, the, the, even like Hearthstone, right? The the way that you play Hearthstone, or the way that you play Tesla are completely different. Even in the 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 way that you attack with creatures, and and the ordering of things. And I found that when I first came to Tesla, I had a lot of bad habits that I carried over from both Magic the Gathering and from Hearthstone that I brought into Elder Scrolls Legends with me. And you haven't brought any of those with you, which is really beneficial. But how do you think um, not having that background of deck building from other games has allowed you to be more exper- experimental when it comes to deck building inside of Tesla? Uh, I think... 
I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, head there of ignorance is bliss, kind of from my perspective. Um, I've obviously learned a ton just in the years of playing this game, but um, whereas, you know, just throw out an example, building, let's say you want to build some control deck from scratch. Um, I think for a lot of people, you have either tons of Hearthstone experience or insert card game here. Um, you have kind of this template of how that deck is supposed to look, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, early game stabilization with some healing into huge late game threats. Um, and you kind of take that template and rightfully so you try to apply that experience to whatever you're doing here. Um, and I think that's where something like you take, you know, conscription Telvani, where it's very much a control deck, but does not fit into, um, from what I've seen, almost any other games, um, definition of kind of what a control deck does. Uh, yeah, that's it's fair. kind of a late game bomb, but it's focused around a very heavily weighted early game curve. Um, and I don't know who really refined those kinds of lists, but um, it took not being in that traditional card game mindset of a control deck should look like this to really make that happen. Uh, so I think when I'm building decks, it's more so along the lines of um, I usually start with a, to be honest, I start with a silly idea or a card I like um, and being able to focus in on either interactions or mechanics or cards rather than archetypes as a whole or um, general structure or templating um, is kind of how I wind up in alternative directions, I guess is mm-hmm. the word I'll use for it. Yeah, well, I think that you're really creative and that's. Like, because I think that other folks who've come from other card games, sure, they can come with some experience and they may be able to just look at a card and say, well, that's a bad card from my experience in other card games. But Elder Scrolls Legends doesn't play identical to other card games, mostly because of the two lanes and the rune system. Like those things alone um, sort of make Elder Scrolls Legends just by nature play very differently. And so a card like, you know, um, Davy Jones's, Davy Jones's, you know, like salty mud crab <laughs> shorts or whatever it is. Like I look at that card and from my history as a card player in physical games and in digital games, I look at it and say, I don't want to screw down that card. That card sucks. I'm never playing that card. Um, whereas maybe someone with less experience in other card games, knowing Tessel almost exclusively can look at that card and say like, okay, I can, I can see that card working and I can't, like, I may not be able to see that. Right. And uh, and so you're able to sort of come up with new creative decks, knowing the, the sort of the mechanics of Tesla, not coming into with any of those bad or negative mindsets or, or bad habits, um, which I, I think is very interesting. I also think that's just kind of a mindset on cards as a whole. Uh, I think like if you listen during reveal season, I think we should be around reveal season soon sure. um, when people are reviewing cards. Um, a lot of people's first instinct is always to point out what's bad about the card uh so if a card gets revealed you'll see dies to negation dies to javelin die uh sucks with silence whatever um everybody kind of focuses in on what is bad about the card and rightfully so because if you're building a deck around a card or including a card in your deck you want to know when it's good and when it's bad um the, the the path that i usually try and take and i think that's how i wind up building around cards that people think are bad or that are generally regarded as bad is when I see a card, I always try to take the mindset of how is this card good or when is this card good? Because very few cards, in my opinion, 
are just completely irredeemable trash. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most cards have something, some redeeming quality to them. So I try and when I take a look at a new card is what situation or what environment, what support does that card need to be good? And what cards can provide that same support? And, you know, some cards come out too soon. Um, Like Forward Camp, for example, I think is a good one where most people just were like, all right, that card's trash, forget about it. And, you know, maybe there wasn't enough support right away, but you build the deck around it, you see what happens. It's Is it not good enough yet? Yeah, probably not. But you at least found what the card needs to be successful. So that next expansion, when a card like Cygnus Standard Bearer comes out, in your head, you're already like, all right, that's one of those cards that is needed. That's the that next puzzle piece. Uh, you can already kind of see those connections a bit better. Um, that's the, the, the route that I try to take when it comes to cards in general. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And that monk at that monk support focused control deck is a very interesting deck. It's one of those decks that I don't have any of the cards for and, <laughs> and it's frustrating to lose against. And I really wish that I did have the cards for it because I think it would be a very fun deck to play um, a, a really, a really interesting deck, but it takes a lot of legendaries. There's a lot of legendaries oh, yeah. and it's oh, legendaries wow. that only go in that deck. So yes. like, unless you have stupid soul gems, it's something that you should never craft unless you love yeah. the deck. Yeah. Well, I did craft three reanimates the other day <laughs> because I really wanted to make that card work. And I haven't been successful in making it work yet. I think there's a deck that it works in. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's definitely a deck that dumps stuff in the graveyard and pulls back um Alduin a whole bunch of times though whatever whatever the deck is that's 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 what it does um well hey man that's that's awesome it's great to kind of get to know you and and hear a little bit about kind of your history with card games and and with Tesla but we have a we have a ton of news actually um and I was almost like we weren't going to end up recording this week and I'm glad that we are because there's a tremendous amount of uh stuff that's come out first off we got card nerfs um so we saw since my last episode we saw alfiq get hit Mm -hmm. um and uh we saw luzra get hit and we did talk a little bit about that um on the last episode um but uh, do you have any any thoughts on on the alfiq and luzra uh nerfs um ways you see that sort of shifting the meta um to be honest, I don't see huge shifts being uh, a result of this, personally. Um, the Luzzer hit itself was uh, more so a removing some of how high the high roll can be with Luzra, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a perfectly fair thing to do. The card is still solid in general. Um, sometimes you'll get some good value from it. Um, it just kind of removes the occasional turn eight i win button with lesra plus alfique or some other combinations that can be triggered um and i'm of the belief that the fewer i win buttons in the game the better um so leaving lesra as good but not uh removing some of that top end ability i think is fine um as far as the alfique nerf goes um yeah i don't know Losing one health is not insignificant. It's it's not nothing. So I, I don't want to sound like I'm dismissing the nerf as um, pointless or useless or does nothing. Because dying to Ice Storm on the first Alfiq is a big deal. Um, however, that's just one specific type of opponent that gets better against Alfiq. Um, so you're talking whatever your blue base control that runs Ice Storm is. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Tribunal Control or Talvani or whatever. Um, so they get yeah, a little Gilks bit better against as well. Alfique. But in general, Alfique is still putting a ton of stats on the board. Uh, it's still doing it across two bodies. One of them still has guard to fend off your aggro opponent. You still have a body left over to trade afterwards. The card is obviously still incredible. Um, so, again, I don't want to say the nerf is inconsequential. It just doesn't really bring down the power level all that much, which is probably what their goal was. Yeah, I don't think that they, you know, different companies, different designers have, have done nerfing in different ways. Um, and, of course, coming from Hearthstone, I came from an environment where they just, whenever they nerfed something, they just nerfed to do with oblivion. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, well, okay, that card will literally never see any play again. Um, I like the fact that I keep seeing Alfique. Um, now, I haven't seen Luzro since the nerf, I don't think. I'm not saying that my opponents didn't have it in their deck. I'm just saying in my experience post-nerf, I haven't seen Luzro come back. Um, so uh, maybe maybe that one got hit a little bit. Maybe that, maybe that hits a little bit harder than the Alfiq hit. But I'm, I'm still seeing Alfiq, which I'm encouraged by. But I, I, did, I have found it like it's a little bit easier to manage when it does come down. Um, still hurts really bad yeah. if the first Alfique gets the, the, the Storm Elemental or the, the Storm Atronaut. Um, that still hurts super bad. Uh, like, you just don't even know what you can do, and they can swing. And, and you know what? Mid-range BM is still really strong. Mid-range yeah. Battle Rage is still, it's still a very, very strong deck. And it, it still can do sort of like most of the things that it could do before. Um, it just has like... It, it, it's It's turn six is just a hair weaker mm-hmm. and a lot of times that could be enough and i think maybe maybe i'm underrating that three health for that reason is i'm thinking if i'm an aggro deck or a tokens deck and i'm trying to go wide uh the difference between three health and four maybe means that i trade one less creature into it and i'm left with one more creature left over um so when you're playing that aggressive type of strategy having that one creature left over and pushing that extra one damage to that two damage quite often can be the difference in the game uh, so maybe I am underrating the importance of three health versus four. Um, I think the important thing to just point out is that although there is a nerf and it is there is some significance to it, it isn't gone, right? Yeah, this no, this card is still going to a lot of play, a, a tremendous amount of play. So we saw that come out. Now, we had talked about it last episode, like I said, but we, we'd seen it come out. Then we... Um, we got some news um, about uh, about the fact that we were going to be getting some events. And today, um, earlier today, we got the release of that event, although I don't think you can register for the event for maybe another two days. Yeah, it should be probably tomorrow, I think, Friday. Okay, yeah, and we haven't gotten... Which will be the it'll be the day that this episode releases. This episode comes out this Friday, so I guess later today you'll you'll mm-hmm. be able to register for, for this event. Now I'll be honest with you, I think I played it maybe one event back when the game was a little bit younger. Um, can you tell us just a little bit of like if I'm if I'm have never done an event before, I'm newer to the game, I click on the events tab, it has some lists of rewards, but I don't really know anything else about it. Can you tell us a little bit about just ev- events in general and has Tesla and what they've been like? Sure. Um, so if you're coming from something like a Hearthstone, um, the the direct comparison is probably to something like a Tavern Brawl. Um, events in Tesla tend to be slightly more uh, competitive focused. Um, I think for our current one next this weekend coming up, um, you'll get to use some of those event tickets that you've been stocking up on. 
Um, and typically the way it works, um, they've had a couple different formats, and I may be incorrect with some of the the match totals off the top of my head, but you'll we'll, we've either had the 12 matches, win as many as you can, and either your first run or your total three runs, your total number of wins will get you ranked on the leaderboard. So no amount of losses will eliminate you. It's just win as many times as you can. We've also had events where I believe it was something along the lines of 12 matches, win as many as you can, but if you lose three, you're out. Um, So they have played around with the format of the win-loss, and they've also played around with the rule set before. Um, In the past, we've had, I believe, Morrowind-only cards. Um, We've had mono-colored deck-only gauntlets Mm. before. Um, So it's kind of a chance for the the designers to mess around with different rule sets or mess around with different um, deck building restrictions. Um, so on that front, I'm super excited to see um, because the much like in Hearthstone with their tavern brawls, when you get to make your own deck, um, these kind of mini metas kind of develop around our gauntlets when you get specific rule sets. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in Monocolor, I believe like East Empire Crafter decks were one of the best decks in that gauntlet, which is ridiculous Weird, awesome no to say out loud yeah, yeah no one no one plays east empire crafter right sure um so i'm i'm super excited for that to come back i believe our first gauntlet is just a quote unquote regular gauntlet of bring whatever deck you think is best mm-hmm. uh, your deck does get locked in and you play with that deck for the entirety of the run and then you can start a new run fresh with a different deck at that point and i believe it's the first three runs for this return gauntlet that will get you ranked on the leaderboard. Um, okay. And then you get wins based on your, your... You get rewards based on your win total. And then you also can get rewards if you rank, you know, top 100, top 1,000, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, just for people... Look, because people are, like, they've only ever used their tickets to get into Arena. So they've mm-hmm. seen event ticket. You've never been able to use it to do anything other than Arena. Arena is a draft format. So this is not going to be a card draft you're going to be able to take a constructed deck in there that you've built we're not going to this isn't going to be a a, like a a weird weekend competitive arena tournament nope you are bringing your own deck from your deck builder and it will lock in at that point as well once you select that deck there is no changing decks between wins and losses like on the ladder now do you have any opinion I, i don't know have you gotten a chance to look at the reward system in the arena yet or in the in the event I haven't seen the returned event reward system. I know okay. in the old events, you could win upwards of like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 packs for doing really well on, in the leaderboard. Um, but I have not gotten a chance to see what our rewards look like for the return. So the new one um, it gives you rewards. Um, you, I think you can get up to nine wins in this. I think it goes up to nine wins. And I don't know if it's like a you play nine times and it's how many wins you get or if it's you play and after you get three, nine wins or three losses. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not sure which one it is. But you're not getting any packs. Now there's a packs section, but according to the rewards, you're not, you're not receiving any. Um, they have like you get rewards for making your run and you get like gold and soul gems for making your run. And that goes up, of course, the more wins you get out of those nine. And then there's also a leaders board um, and you can, you can rank up on that, on that leaderboard, but you're also only going to get gold and soul gems if you land on on that leaderboard and i was a little surprised by that um i kind of thought 
now now I heard that they're they've sort of like CVH has sort of released some information like officially unofficially basically saying like hey like this is the first time that we're bringing it back we're just sort of experimenting we're going to do different rewards in the future and reward for packs maybe coming back and obviously they intended to give some reward for packs because it's there's a whole like column for it mm-hmm. and it they're all zeros um but i was you know just from like a strict like marketing perspective like people have been waiting for this to come back for a long time. Um, I, I know that I got my set of alternate art piercing javelins from um, one of those events previously. Mm-hmm. And I sort of expected us to get something a little bit more significant than just gold and soul gems. Um, I, I was kind of hoping, honestly, that we would see alternate art for a card or um, maybe a card that you could only get if you played in this in this particular gauntlet um you know you got to play in this gauntlet and you can get access to this card and then in a month they're going to release it that that you can just craft it or something or you know maybe they were going to give out some legendary packs for playing in the gauntlet just something to entice us to get in there because honestly like i'm not the type i spend my arena tickets because i like arena Mm um i'm not really enticed to go in there and do it i mean like I, i think that even if you get one win you get an arena ticket back like you get an event ticket back if you get even one win so you're you're gonna get like as long as you can score one win with your deck you're you're gonna make back what you spent to get into it um so there's not really a big negative to being to playing in it but i i was just kind of surprised i was hoping to see something a, a little bit more significant um to entice people to get back into the events because i don't know just seemed a little lackluster on the side of rewards yeah that's actually it's kind of disappointing to hear. I mean, I would say I can completely understand the perspective from their side of this is the first time events are coming back in this client. Let's let this first run be kind of a test run, so to speak. Uh, but I, I don't see the downfall of even if you're throwing core packs or Moons of Elsewhere packs at people, even if you're locking in, let's say, three or five packs as a reward, no matter how good or bad you do. Um, I think that's a fine thing to do if this is truly a test run, um, but people are going to respond to packs, um, and I know there's a lot of people who have a lot of arena tickets or event tickets who don't like arena, just kind of looking for an excuse to use these event tickets, and if you can guarantee these people that they'll get X packs just for, you know, doing whatever, or even recycle one of those alternate arts. We've got alternate art Morkel Gatekeeper, we've got or- alternate art uh, Lightning Bolt, we've got the Piercing Javelin recycle one of these alternate arts and have them become available again as a as a reward for this event um and i think that's a perfectly suitable test run reward that it also is going to make people want to play it because you want to test a workload like you want to see if your event can handle all of these players as well yes so um just to give you a, a an idea of what the rewards are so if you have zero wins so you go in and it is it is um nine wins or three losses whichever comes first um if you go zero wins you're going to get 120 gold 20 soul gems and an event ticket so there's actually no negative at all to just play in this thing because you'll spend your event ticket get an event ticket back to play it again and you're just playing and you're going to net 120 gold and 20 soul gems every single time even if you just three event tickets to enter Oh, is it three event tickets, Dan? I think it might be three. Okay, yeah. Because if it was one, then you could just join and retire over and over again. 
Yeah, and just consistently get 120 yeah. gold. If that's the case, I'm doing that. <laughs> that's I'm gonna pretty be sure like it's free tickets, though. My entire weekend. Okay, <laughs> so that that is interesting. Okay, so if it if it is, it doesn't say yet um, what it is. It just says Rumble Gauntlet. I don't see anywhere here where it says how many event tickets it's going to take. But if it's going to take three event tickets, in order to break even, if you get one win you'll get three event tickets, 130 gold, and 40 soul gems. So even if you just play your deck, get one win, you can just concede two more and net 130 gold, which is... That's not too bad. That's not bad. If you get nine wins, you will get 600 gold, 420 soul gems, and seven event tickets, um, which honestly seems like a little bit lackluster for getting nine wins in a gauntlet. I, I would love to see there to be like... Um, maybe a little bit of a better reward there than yeah than maybe what up the gold a little bit up the soul gems yeah and if you are in the top ten of players across the board you'll get a thousand gold that's it if you are in the top fifty you'll get five hundred gold top one hundred three hundred gold top five hundred two hundred gold and if you're in the top thousand people in the gauntlet you will get a hundred gold. Um, at the end. So uh, it, it ha- tracks your wins, losses, and the, the amount of runs that you've had. So I am a little bit disappointed overall in, in what, they, what they've given out, but it's interesting that you said something about the alternate art lightning bolt, because right now there's an offer that's up for the next 24 hours, just came out, um, where if you buy it, it's $20, $20 US dollars, but you get three lightning bolts, 15 alliance packs, and a legendary pack from the alliance war as well. Um, alliance war packs? Yeah, that's also weird, because we're, that's, I mean, we just announced a new expansion sort of this is a gold sink or this isn't even a gold sink because you have it's to spend 20 cash bucks on sink it. from the previous expansion yeah and you get the three alternate art lightning bolts though i've definitely gone on a, a tirade about these kinds of deals previously um especially when it comes to cosmetics i have no problem with them charging cash for cosmetics but locking them behind bundles like this especially like for example if you want to make that a quote-unquote fair offer, those should be Moons of Elsewhere packs. It should be the most recent content, the most relevant content. Um, in my opinion, they should always have cosmetics viable on their own. So those three alternate le- art lightning bolts should be able to be purchased without being forced to purchase packs alongside them. Yes, but if you're going to force sense. the packs as well, it should at least be the most current content. It should the ones never that people be actually content. want. Yeah. It's like, here's 10 Skyrim packs. Yeah, like, what am back. I going to do with that? <laughs> so I want the card back, and or I want the alternate art, and in order to get it, I have to buy packs that I don't... I have to spend more money than I should buying packs that I don't want. It inflates the cost just to try and justify. It. Well, we, we sort of had the same thing back this past Christmas whenever some of the Atronaut bundles came back, right? Um and they sort of inflated the cost by releasing some packs that you kind of didn't want anymore because it had been like almost over a year since we had a new expansion, a pack expansion. Um, they they sort of did that back then too. Um, well, in, yeah, interesting. So I, I'm I'm hoping that this isn't what the gauntlets are forever. Um, I'm hoping that we see some better rewards and maybe some more unique rewards that sort of entice longtime players to get into it. 
And I hope we see some like new role sets to entice people who are content creators like yourself and streamers to actually play Gauntlet. Because right now, if you're a streamer or a content creator, is there much of a reason to play Gauntlet over just playing a deck on ladder? Besides maybe gunning for that top 10 spot, which doesn't really have great rewards attached to it? Yeah, I mean, if you you play the game enough to get in the top 10 spot, what difference is 1,000 gold to you? Yeah. And I mean, none at all. It's if with no special rule set and no like big rewards, it's kind of just a like, why bother? I mean, I, I guess if you already hit legend this month, if you're one of those people that hits legend in the first couple days, it, it, it can be a fun change of pace, I guess, just to see what people are bringing, kind of playing ladder with arena rules, more or less. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't see much um incentive for top players to really be taking part in this besides bragging rights yeah i think that that elder scrolls legends does a lot of things better than what hearthstone did them but one of the things that hearthstone has done much better in in comparison with this right here is their tavern brawl um their the times when they did sort of like the thousand gold buy-in like super high stakes super high rewards arena constructed arena decks um, or constructed decks that you played in sort of like an arena format. Um, those were really great content to watch and, and enjoy as somebody who was just consuming content mm-hmm. from streamers and YouTubers. Really, really great stuff to just go and enjoy. Um, and at the, at the same exact time, um, it was it was really enticing to go play because you wanted to get up in those wins. I, I, I even think like if they had like if you're leaking an expansion, like why wouldn't you do something where you give away incredible rewards with a super high buy-in for this thing? Um, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that, you know, Bethesda should put out a thousand gold buy-in something for this, but I mean, if you were going to do it, this was the time to do it. And I think at a very minimum, because whenever a new expansion is around the corner, we always get that offer for thousand gold for a guaranteed legendary pack. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the, quintessential gold sink offer that we all receive um at the very least putting out a thousand gold gauntlet while you will alienate a fair portion of your player base i think that is a real concern i think that is a at a minimum much more interesting gold sink to offer players um Mm -hmm. kind of a opportunity to use your skill to turn that high gold sink into a possible net positive for you while in general it's going to sink most of the player base's gold if they take part. Well, and I would just always prefer a gold sink that gets me to play the game, mm-hmm. right? A gold sink that is just letting me purchase things for the game, but isn't maybe enticing me to play the game seems silly. Um, that's one of the things that I did really appreciate about Hearthstone, putting out some of those really big gold sinks before an expansion. Every one of their gold sinks wasn't just like buying more cards that a lot of players didn't want, because let's let's face it, I mean most people who will spend the thousands of gold on the premium legendaries already have a full collection. Mm -hmm. They have no need to bust those thousands of gold. And if they want the premium legendary, they'll just go craft the specific one they want because they have 40,000 soul gems banked. Um, So those gold sinks, a, they don't work. And, and the, the people who end up spending money on them are people who don't really have the gold bank that should be spending money on them. And then they're discouraged when the next expansion comes out. They don't have the cards that they need to play. Maybe they have that golden legendary, but they don't, they're not able to buy into the next expansion. I think they end up leaving game as a product of that or are likely to. 
um, having an arena run where, yeah, your your new player base is alienated from it, but they still want to engage with it, right? Like, I'm not even sure how much I would play a really high-stakes arena run, but I sure as heck would get online and watch streamers and YouTube creators play it. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, it doesn't even have to be a general, like, bring whatever you have from the ladder, pay a thousand gold and win. You can have a thousand gold monocolor gauntlet. You can do whatever you want. Just if words are high enough, you can ramp up the buy-in fee and people are going to play it. Mm-hmm. Even the best players of this game, I think, would still be interested in monocolor or creatureless or no actions allowed. Insert whatever you know, fun rule set that you're interested in, and the best players in this game will want to show that they can win under any rule set. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's just going to happen. It's, that's well, how these people are wired. They're competitive. And we want something new. Like, we want a new way to engage with this game, and this is, like, this is... Even if you made this a draft... Like, this was just a higher-stakes arena that you were drafting your deck for, and let's say the the card pull that you were drafting from didn't include the core set. Like, even Mm -hmm. if it was just something simple like that, like, this is not giving us anything new to do. You're you're just saying, hey, just the same deck that you were already planning on playing on the ladder, just take that deck and come and play it here. You're not going to encounter anything new. There's not going to be anything creative that you're going to see. You're going to see the same exact thing that you have been seeing for the past several weeks. You're just going to see it in this place where you're not even really risking anything more significant. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like there's, there's nothing exciting about it. Like I'll probably play it a few times because there's not a big risk involved. Cause I can be pretty sure I'll get at least one win. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like there's, there's nothing that's going to draw me back to this. And uh, that, that's discouraging to me. Like the, uh, I think they really missed the mark. Like they either needed to release something with this that got people excited that they really wanted to get their hands on that drew them into it, or they needed to make something really competitive and really high stakes that are going to get content creators in there that are going to get people talking about the game. This does none of that for me. And I also think that this is where it kind of come down, comes down to, you know, communication and setting expectations. Um, if they were to have come out before this event was announced and let everyone know, like, listen, guys, this is kind of just a stress test. This is to make sure that the the event system is ready to go. Um, This is more or less a wash of a first event just to make sure we're good to go. This is what we're planning for event two on this date if everything goes well with this test event. Um, Sure. Mm -hmm. Do this. I think that it would be a lot less disappointing from my point of view if you could just let me know, like, this is basically a trial run but we're planning this really cool second event once we prove that the event system is ready. I'm on board. I'll test the heck out of your event system to show if we can get to whatever that second cool event is. Uh, But if you don't qualify it, if you don't communicate that that's what you're doing, although I think it's pretty obvious that's what they're doing here, if -hmm. you don't tell people that, they're just going to think, like, this is your event system. We waited a year plus for this. Um, Yeah, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Yeah, I think they (laughs) missed the mark there at the very least, you could have garnered some community support with just a little bit more communication. Yeah, I think a lot of times game producers and people who are putting out information um, 
miss miss the mark on this and, and I'm, not, I'm by no means and I've, I've had a pretty thorough discussion about this before about how like you can't just point your finger at the face of the game so I'm, I'm not I'm not coming out and saying like you know obviously CVH is allowed to say only the things that he's allowed to say but whoever's sort of approving that stuff from the background like one of the things that you just have to understand just about you know I'm a communicator by profession and so I, I understand this one of the things that I I commonly say is if people don't know why the cost is always too high um which just basically means that the vast majority of population are why people um mm-hmm. that that that's something that they need to know there are lots of people out there that are not why people but i think that the the statistic is like 65 to 70 percent of the population just the human race in general are why people they 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 like routine they don't love change um, their steadiness sort of personalities, they're holders of ritual, and they want things to basically stay the same. And if you release something like this and then you don't tell them why you're doing it, they can't onboard with it. They they just literally can't. And if your, communica- your communication from your developer and from um, the people who are making your game are not consistently communicating, this is why we're doing this, people people literally can't. They cannot onboard with you. They're incapable of it. And and I'm not trying to be like, you know, cruel or, or me to any particular personality type. That isn't my personality type, but it's just reality. The vast majority of your player base in any game ever needs to know why. And if you can't communicate to them why, you can't expect them or ask them to buy into it. You just know 70% of your player base is out if you can't communicate why ahead of time. And uh, I, I think that there's a valuable lesson to be learned in this gauntlet because if you communicate why – you know, three or four hours after people have already had the opportunity to jump on Reddit and complain about it. Um, people's minds are made up. Mm-hmm. You didn't, you did not get out ahead of it. Um, and, and it hurts you for your next event. Cause even if the next one is amazing, you've already got these kind of subset of people who I th- also think people are more or less stubborn by nature. Maybe that's not the best, um, word no, to use that, here that's but. definitely true oh well those high sort of why people are are by nature a little bit more stubborn because they're resistant to change they're not early adopters of things and there's i mean my wife is this personality type there's nothing wrong with it it's just that yes they're once they've had a formed opinion they're probably going to stick with that mm-hmm. and unless you either markedly change or rebrand this or do something so over the top to kind of repeat that interest um people are just kind of going to write it off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of unfortunate because I think it's going to be great, even if this first iteration is kind of meh overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's just like, you know, my it, <laughs> in my world, like good good content doesn't make up for bad communication. Um, and if, if you are, you can, you can have great content, but if you deliver that great content poorly, it's not received well. And if you think about this just in terms of like even listening to a podcast or something, a podcast can have really great content. But if the person who's speaking is monotone and the nature of it is boring, you probably aren't coming back to it. And and that doesn't have anything to do with the content. It just has to do with the delivery. And the same is true of things being put out for a video game. If the content that they're putting out is awesome, but you communicate really poorly about it, um, you can you can really deter people from being involved with it, which is sad because I think that. This is probably you're right. Just a stress test. They're just seeing things out. They just needed to say that ahead of time. And the the problem is, is they'll look at this and say, oh, the community's toxic. Um, but that's not the case. Like you created an environment where that was possible. Um, 
where the vast majority of people are actually understanding and supportive. They're in your corner. They don't want this game to die. They want to root for you. And if you give them the opportunity to root for you, they'll take it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but if you don't give people the opportunity to root for you, you get a 20 minute rant on a podcast about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so sorry, can't can't root for you guys on this one. So the last thing I want to address, the last piece of news before we get out of here is the new leak for the expansion. Um, and so we have an Oblivion themed expansion that's going to be coming out, which is really, really exciting. Um, maybe less so for you and me uniquely, because neither of us played Oblivion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it. Um, obviously, the Elder Scrolls, for the most part, or I guess Legends specifically, has kind of been tying into Elder Scrolls Online expansions. Uh, mm-hmm. But as far as main games go, we had Skyrim, Morrowind, uh, Oblivion, and I don't even know what the old ones are. But the most, the three most recent ones from recent memory that most of your, you know, teenage or older player base have played, if not played, then definitely heard of, were Skyrim, Morrowind, and Oblivion. Um, Skyrim and Morrowind have obviously came and went. Uh, I think those were two key opportunities for this game to kind of go for that big marketing push and whole different argument for a whole nother time of missed opportunities. But I think Oblivion is kind of another opportunity that we're on the precipice of here. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's some, well, the, when the Morrowind came game came out, there was also a Morrowind expansion coming out for ESO, Mm -hmm. um, other schools online. So they weren't necessarily marketing to the people who played the game Morrowind. I think they were more marketing to the ESO community, trying to draw people over from that. But there is no Oblivion in ESO. So this is strictly marketing to the people who played Oblivion, which is a large group of people. Yeah. So now we have this opportunity. And again, I don't want to dwell on what I view as missed opportunities in the past. um, But with the exception of Elder Scrolls six, this is your biggest Elder Scrolls kind of standalone game that we have left to use to push (laughs) this game. Until yeah. Elder Scrolls Six comes out, so don't mess I'm this one up. I'm hoping it's a huge opportunity. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I do love when um, Elder Scrolls Legends creates its own lore. I, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. I've loved some of the stories that we've gotten that have created their own lore, and if because the Elder Scrolls universe is absolutely massive, the lore is incredible, and there are so many wars and conflicts and things that were never explored. But you can't go and explore those things until you have a big enough player base to go with you. <laughs> Um, and at this point, I'm afraid that Elder Scrolls Legends doesn't have the player base to begin exploring. So I think you're right. Oblivion is their last chance to draw people in based off of lore and experiences that they've already had. And I've seen it even from our current player base of someone will reveal an art teaser for a card that's getting revealed for an expansion. And the fans of these games are so hardcore and so dedicated that you could share like a screenshot of the paw of a Khajiit and you will have someone in the comment section on Reddit saying like, this is this character from this obscure book that you could only find on this bookcase in this corner of the map in Morrowind. And like, yeah. these people are so dedicated. They can do that from a tiny screenshot. So like mm-hmm. your player base wants this stuff. These people mm-hmm. are like rabid fans. You just have to get the game to them. And at this yes. point, I think the new client we have is beautiful the game is finally in a super presentable state. We've got this tournament mode, not tournament mode, but dual spectator mode that's now ready. 
all of these features are kind of here. You kind of put all of this beautification onto your client. Now just put the effort in to show all of the people who already love your games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really do hope that Oblivion will draw m- more people in. I mean, you you go to the Twitch stream section for Outer Scrolls Legends right now, and it's a wee bit discouraging. Oh, yeah. Um, it's always been lower than comparatively sized games, besides our kind of weird blip in the Twitch drops history. Yeah, that was my favorite part of our... Maybe not... I wasn't a streamer as a player. That was my favorite part in our history. OG Twitch drops were like, you didn't even need to play the game anymore. They were so rewarding. Uh, um, yeah, you. I really didn't need to play the game. I built, <laughs> I built a collection without playing the game. I literally would play Hearthstone for three months, and I would just pick up drops, and then I would come back to Elder Scrolls Legends a couple of months later and just spend all my crap and build a whole collection. Yeah, because you were getting like 1,200 soul gems a day, multiple times a day. <laughs> yeah, I know. And one weekend they gave double drops. I think I hit 600 gold like nine times in one oh weekend. <laughs> it, was like, it was like every three hours I would pull open eight streams and hit a 600 gold drop <laughs> within like three or four minutes. Um, yeah, that, that's some crazy economy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also probably a little bit of a mess up. Um, but... Uh, Okay, so we have we have a question that comes in um, from uh, Spitfire77 off of Discord, and he said, "Speculate on the new expansion. Um, like, what do struggling or like what do struggling decks that are maybe like one or two cards away from um, being an archetype need? Um, for example, like kind of like how old salty made mud crabs relevant. I disagree, Spitfire. Old salty did not make mud crabs relevant. They shouldn't make mud crabs relevant. However." <laughs> Um, you know, are, are, is there something, is there like a card? I mean, we talked about forward camp, right? And yeah. we sort of got the cards in elsewhere that had made that viable. Is there a card that's sort of like sitting there that you like really want to work, but you just haven't gotten it to work. You're hoping it gets a little bit of support. Uh, I honestly think we are getting dangerously close to a couple different things. Uh, one of them I hope never exists, but I think we are dangerously close to, a consistently good Unite the Houses deck. And mm. I don't ever want to see that happen. Uh, but I think <laughs> we're already teetering on the brink of it happening. Um, as far as decks that I would like to see better, I think we're getting quite close to a, if not completely creatureless, then pretty close to creatureless deck being a thing. We have mm. so many fantastic actions. I think we're getting very, very close. Interesting. Um, trying to think of what other decks off the top of my head um we're probably a card or two away from uh animal synergies being more of a thing uh, okay. we've got the one kind of spriggan tribal lord and we've gotten mm-hmm. a couple distant really good um animals recently uh, it's yeah. just kind of missing a card or two to kind of tie in the deck and kind mm-hmm. of make it a tribal deck versus just a collection of cards that share the same tribal tag and sure, I guess you don't have a lot well of cards that, like, buff that. the other animals. Yeah, or mm-hmm. there's no cards that are, like, draw an animal from your deck. Or, mm-hmm. when you, or I think there's one in Hearthstone that's when you play a beast, draw a card. Um, mm-hmm. One or two cards like that would kind of really put the thing all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be that would be cool. Here's what I want to, like, the cards that I, I want to see sort of, like, push. I want to I wanna see it, I, I, I want to see them revisit Consume. I'm... You know, I don't I don't really care if they revisit Wax Wayne. I, I think it's a cool mechanic, 
but if there isn't a, a moon in the logo of the thing, then I don't think they should go back to Wax Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is a really great mechanic that is should probably be locked in Moons of Elsewhere. But I think Consume is one of those mechanics that should not be locked into a specific expansion. I think that's a mechanic that we should see come back because I, I just love any graveyard interaction in a game. So that's kind of the deck that I, I want to see sort of get pushed. Now there's, there are consumed cards that are seeing play that are just strong. And, and yeah. I like that. Um, but I want to, I want to continue to see some, some of these like imbued cards. Um, I want to see a deck that just really does want to scrap a ton of cards into your graveyard and then consume the crap out of them. Right. Um, that is, that isn't like tier two or tier three. I want to, I want to see one of those decks become strong. Um, and I actually would like to see one that's more control heavy than, um, than aggro or mid range heavy. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see them give some tools for consume that is, is long range because it's going to force you to make difficult decisions between do I consume this card because it's going to benefit me now or do i want to leave that card in my graveyard because most control decks have some sort of interaction with bringing stuff back from your graveyard and i want to see that interaction happen like i I want to make that choice i want to be stuck in that position between do i consume this or do i try to bring it back later um i I think that could be some some cool and not that consume is awful now but i I just want to see it get a little bit more attention i think consume is solid honestly from my perspective i think consume is probably my favorite addition to the game outside of or alongside of slay um just because like you said um the average power level of a consume play isn't much higher or lower than your average play this card on curve play but what you get with consume is you get a bunch of very interesting micro decisions every Mm -hmm. single turn of does this card consume this card or this other card or do i consume it at all do i save it for later and that's with in my opinion I think they've barely scratched the surface of what the design space of consume cards can look like. We've got oh, these yeah. imbued creatures, oh, yeah. but we've barely went there. Like you mentioned, a control uh, consume deck. There's potential for when you consume this creature, deal three damage to an enemy creature, or take your pick. There's so much that they can do with uh, either alternative imbued creatures or um, things along the lines of Dromothra Reaper that has a kind of passive effect that happens whenever a card leaves your graveyard Mm -hmm. that focuses on both um revive mechanics and consume um and there's so many directions you can go with all of that that i I do hope that they keep touching on it yeah i'd love to see like a a, a, like an imbued card that once you once you consume it like let's say i I play a card that consumes this imbued card that's in my graveyard and the imbued card that I consume forces me to sacrifice the cons- the creature that I just consumed it with. And then it, it deals that creature's power to everything on that side of the board. Like something like that would be really cool and be like, okay, like if I, I have this thing in my graveyard, I can consume it later. When I consume it, it sacrifices the creature that I played, but I get to deal the damage from its power to everything on the enemy side of the board. So it's kind of like a board wipe, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's, making me sacrifice the card that I used for the board wipe. Um, I would love to see some stuff like that. Like, I think that there's a lot of opportunities there for consume and then, you know, wax Wayne there, there's probably some design space there that they could continue to explore, but I think consume has a lot, a lot more. It just consume feels like it could have been a core mechanic from beta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like wax Wayne, I look at it and I'm like, okay, they did a very good job of making the cards flexible and 
interesting and for the most part, you know, you can play a lot of them. It's a well-done mechanic uh, versus a lot of the ones we got. They did a great job with Wax and Wayne. However, Wax and Wayne feels like, for the most part, you're playing a bunch of Wax and Wayne creatures and, you know, you're just kind of doing it. There, There's not mm-hmm. a ton of, like, intrigue to it. I, I, I feel personally that I'm not, like, skill base or deck knowledge or board state, being able to identify board state. I feel like the decisions you make with consume, if they don't flat out matter more, they feel like they matter more, which I mm-hmm. think is just as important as it actually mattering more. Yeah, yeah, you want it. You want to feel clever. You want to feel clever when you're playing a card mm-hmm. game, and Elder Scrolls Legends does lend itself to making you feel more clever than other card games do. Um, it makes you feel smart, which is really good, and I think consume continues to do that. It builds on that 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 sort of like itch of feeling clever which I, I think is a really cool thing so let me ask you this because i mean you have a lot of experience with deck experimentation and different things um obviously we've had a lot of controversy around tri-keller stuff um throughout the last and, and I'm, we're not even to get into rotations or anything today mm-hmm. this is the last question i'm going to ask you um but uh, how can this expansion um increase the power level of dual keller decks to make some more viable other than battle mage um, without also buffing tricolor decks. So usually it winds up being something like we saw with Elphique. Like Elphique is obviously powerful in any deck, but Elphique is better when you draw it. So mm-hmm. that's how it kind of lends itself into the tricolor or the better being better in dual color versus tricolor. Because you uh, get it more reliably. Yes. you Even if it's just a f- small percentage more often, that's kind of the best that we've gotten at the moment. Uh, they tried recently with... Um, what are those cards? There's the 1-1 Charging Khajiit, uh, Bandari Opportunist, mm-hmm. uh, Grey Viper Brigand, that whole collection of cards that tries to... that was kind of a targeted buff on dual-color cards. Um, they at least took a, a swing at it, and while I think they mostly whiffed, besides Bandari Opportunist being pretty good in general, I think they they weren't good cards in general. That's the kind of thing you have to do: is either have a card that is just above the power curve in general that rewards you for drawing it more consistently, a la mm-hmm. Alfik, or you have to have a card that rewards you for drawing multiple copies of that card which also mm-hmm. further rewards you drawing it more consistently, which is what that one batch of cards tried to do, but I don't think kind of completely succeeded. Sure, they were good, but they they weren't, like the power spike wasn't so significant upon drawing it that you wouldn't just play it in Tri-Killer. And it comes late enough in the game that Dual Color didn't super care. Like your Spell Sword deck may run Grey Viper Brigand because the 3-4 body is not bad, mm-hmm. but yeah, how that's often what I were you it. drawing mo- multiple copies where it's really that good it's just kind of like it's good enough and sometimes it's pretty good mm-hmm. i uh, run it in guildsworn like great mm-hmm. great viper riggins the card that i run in guildsworn which is not, not a good example because it's a tricolor deck yeah so what we really need is we need like a very i mean that's a dangerous place to be in right that the only way to really buff dual color decks is to increase the power level of the cards that you're releasing overall so much so that you're dependent on drawing this card that you want to play dual keller yeah and it's incredibly dangerous too because if you print enough of those eventually you just 
release a collection of super powerful cards that Tricolor is just going to run all of them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an incredibly dangerous path. Um, I'm on record saying that I think personally Tricolor was a mistake. Not a mistake that I think I could have identified without having tried it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think at a minimum, I, I, I don't know. Um, we've kind of already like taken the lid off. We have all of our Tricolor classes. Um, I don't think the focus should be as much on buffing dual color as much as, and this is terrible from a game design perspective of introducing further limitations to tricolor mm-hmm. um, years after it's been released, but either just finding some other way to both put additional restrictions on tricolor deck building, as well as introduce some more tricolor uh, identity uh, kind of wrapping it back into the class identity discussion. Um, yeah. Tricolors really have no identity at the moment besides None, just really play good cards. All. It's just mm. play all the good cards from those colors. Um, but you've seen from some of the tricolor legendaries or the tricolor cards in general we've gotten, sometimes they've kind of pushed towards um, having some sort of identity. You know, Guildsworn's expertise isn't quite an identity, but, you know, it kind of pushed it in a direction of you know, play good creatures with a fair amount of actions and items to trigger these expertise abilities. Um, And while that's not quite an identity, you could have built more towards that, of introducing more tricolor cards that reward whatever you want the identity of that tricolor combination Mm. to be, so that you can only access that identity by playing that tricolor combination, and furthermore, all of those tricolor cards. But I don't know how you make that happen without either A introducing further restrictions on tricolor decks which i don't think you can do this late in the game i think it's a design nightmare and it will kind of backfire or b you have to kind of push like on the level of burn assassin push this identity onto the tricolor it's just very it's not an easy landscape to navigate yeah i mean one of your only options beyond that is to to explore some stuff with rotation right and say like okay i mean one of the reasons why tricolor doesn't have identity because technically they all do right technically veterans identity is um rally right i mean a, a lot of them got yeah sure a, a lot of them got some sort of mechanic the problem is is that those new mechanics or those new keywords were not better than just putting the beefier, better cards in. Yep. Because the card pool was big enough that you would be like, sure, I could play Rhetorin with a bunch of Rally in it, but I don't have to. So why would I? Because they're just worse mm-hmm. than playing Rhetorin with just the better cards in it that don't work around that keyword in any way. And sure, I might get a rally in there, but that's not going to be the thing that I'm going to focus on. And if they had a smaller, a much smaller card pool to draw from, you might be forced into, okay, if I'm going to play Redder and the only way to make this viable is to play rally because I don't have the other good cards to put in this deck to round out 75 that would make it just 75 powerful cards. Yeah. Um, and so you could do some rotations up, but they're, they're up a crick with the rotation thing too. Cause if you rotate too heavily here, you lose five classes because mm-hmm. the only way to play tricolor decks is by having access to those specific tricolor cards that unlocks the 75 card tricolor deck. And once you rotate those out, what do you do now? Do you print new tricolor cards? Do you have to keep printing new tricolor cards every year for rotation to keep all 10 classes viable? 
Are you really open to rotating out entire classes now that you've introduced them? I mean, how do you deal? How do you deal with? I mean, how inaccessible is a wild format if you're a new player and there's 10 dual colors, and then when you go to wild, suddenly there's another 10 classes that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. Um, It's not. It's rough. And then you also have to face the other side of the spectrum of, let's say you print extreme example, 50 new rally cards because you want Redoran Rally to be a thing. Now, on the flip side of that, you may have made Redoran Rally a thing, but what's stopping somebody from just picking out all of the most powerful strength and endurance rally creatures and making Rally Warrior better than the tricolor variant it's mm-hmm. it's so easy to go too far in one extreme that mm-hmm. i don't know how you properly solve this at this point yeah it is really really tedious to forge any sort of an identity well for these tri-color decks and i think that is one of the things that gets new players very confused and very frustrated is they look at guild sworn or i think empire's a great example and you're like well what can't empire do I mean, Empire can do. If I want to play mid range, what Tri Keller deck do I play? All of them can kind of play yeah. mid range. If it has yellow in it, it can basically all play some variant of token. Um, they all, almost all of them, have some sort of an aggro deck that they could play. I mean, there's a couple exceptions. Like Telvani really has a mid range and a control deck. It doesn't really have an aggro deck. But honestly, if you stacked it hard enough with agility creatures, it might. Um, you might at a very able... minimum it can be okay <laughs> yeah uh-huh. it'll always be there yeah so i think that that is uh, it is really hard w- if you're a new player in this game to find any sort of class identity with the tricolor decks and that is something that they're going to have to clean up because it does make deck building and getting into the game very complex and we've had a lot of very frustrated new players in our discord channel just like i really don't know the heck is i'm supposed to be building here what i'm supposed to be collecting towards Whereas from the very beginning, when I started playing in Dual Keller, I knew I like graveyard mechanics, I like ramp, I'm going for scout. Like yeah, you're, looking gonna... at, you're looking at scout or an off-meta sorcerer deck, or like you you mm-hmm. had a focus. Yeah, and I was crafting towards that. I wanted to play. I also wanted to have an aggro deck at the time. Battle Mage was like the prophecy. Of Battle Mage was kind of the deck to play. It was like, okay, I'm I'm crafting these cards to be able to play this type of deck because this is the thing that does it best, and that's what I want to do. And now you really can't do that. Um, and I think it also kind of compounding this problem, and maybe a further discussion is a good topic for you to to do in a further episode of. We have so many staples at this point that there's almost really no further cards you need for the most part. So you take a look Mm -hmm. at, I think somebody showed recently that when you take a look at all of the blue staples, it winds up filling in, I think 30 something of your 50 cards in a dual color deck, just based off of, yeah, just based off of blue staples. Um, So when you factor in all of these staples all over the place, not only does it weaken your expansions because the cards don't matter besides maybe waiting and finding finding whatever the alphique of the expansion is and just crafting mm-hmm. that. That's but in true. general, your, your your players don't really explore your card pool at all, or there's really not much to deck building. It's just, I want to build aggro deck, I'm running blue, let me toss in these 30-something cards, and then let me pick another color that I want to run with it and throw in these 20-something staples that kind of fills in the deck on its own. And mm-hmm. then you can tech to a meta to an extent... But for the most part, a lot of your deck building is decided before you open the deck builder. 
Yeah. And that means when the new cards come out, people identify the two or three overpowered cards that just, oh, okay, hey, this card is just statistically better than this previous staple. You're just going to craft this card and you're you're not going to run that previous four drop. You're now going to run Manic Jack. Yeah. Right. You're gonna run manic jack over this card, but out of and that's that's how I felt with Alliance War. I felt like Alliance War came out, and yes, there were some new archetypes to explore, there was some new classes to explore, but in many ways, I initially felt like, oh, I don't, I don't need to. There, there's really nothing that I that I need from this entire set. Like there was a couple of cards that I felt like I needed, and the rest of them were like, eh. Like in in Moons was that way. If you were not going to explore consume, and if you were not going to explore wax and wane, it was like. Craft Elfeek, you have what you need from the set. <laughs> and if you wanted to explore either of those, you needed a lot of them. So Consume or Wax and Wane, you need, if not all of the cards, most of the cards, including always a handful of legendaries. And this was a very legendary heavy expansion, which mm-hmm. means for your average player who isn't going to spend a lot of money on the packs and maybe is just going to buy, I don't know what the average number of packs is for your average free-to-play player per expansion. But let's say they saved up enough gold for 20 packs, 25 packs. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, 20 it, to 30 packs. You're not getting enough to build either a Consume or a Wax or a Wayne deck. Um, so if I'm a new player or if I'm a free-to-play player, in my head I'm going, I can't ever get to that point easily of getting all of the Wax and Wayne cards. So I'm just going to build whatever the best deck is I can which will just be grab Alfique. So then all of the really interesting diving into a fully consume or fully wax wane deck is kind of just for people like me who spend money on the game or have all of the resources you could ever want. And I can craft the whole expansion on day one, but you don't get all of the new expansion into your player's hands because mm-hmm. they're kind of already giving on it, giving up on it before they even get a chance to try mm-hmm. it, Or they wind now- up with like a pseudo consume and they go, Consume's not good enough because I don't have these six legendaries, so whatever. I'm done mm-hmm. with Consume. Yeah, and then and then what happens is people don't remember Moons of Elsewhere. They remember Alfeek, mm-hmm. right? Because it's the only card that impacted them at all. Because they didn't experiment with Wax and Wayne. They didn't really experiment with Consume. They don't go back and think, oh, man, uh, Moons of Elsewhere was so cool because I got to experiment with sort of the new mechanics of the game. It was really fun. They just remember, oh, that's the expansion that Alfeek came out in. And yeah. Alfique dominated the meta for a while, and I played a lot of Alfique. And you don't have Moons of Elsewhere. You have Alfique. That's the yeah. only thing that people remember from it because they just didn't have the money to explore um, uh, uh, building a deck with the amount of legendaries that you required to have built that. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't want this to be bashing it because I think Moons of Elsewhere was one of my favorite expansions that we've gotten. I yeah, loved I think it. Was arguably the best one overall. Yeah, I loved it. But, but... I had 6,000 gold and 25,000 or 30,000 soul gems when it came out. So guess what? I could do whatever the heck I wanted. And I did. And I loved it for that reason. But if you weren't me and you to to do whatever you wanted meant that you had to spend $120, $150 on this game, on a game that you weren't really sure was going to be here in a year, um, you (laughs) you're probably not doing it, right? You didn't have my experience. If I wasn't me and I wasn't able to... Like, let's say I could maybe get some pseudo-budget consume deck in there, and I'm probably missing the um, neutral legendary. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm probably missing those. Um, And maybe I have most of the other cards. 
but I'm also probably not going to have Dramatha Reaper or whatever. Mm-hmm. Dramatha Reaper, no fate Maybe I can get it decent enough. I still am going to be largely disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of look at it as if your expansion isn't accessible to most of the player base, whether it be because of legendaries or just sheer number of cards that are needed, like that's a way to make people feel more connected to the game of like, I'm not going to get hyped if I see a new mechanic as a newer player, because I know I'm not going to be able to access that new mechanic. Mm -hmm. It's behind a wall that I can't get through right now. And I think it, I'm not saying that everyone should be able to build these tier one decks right away. Um, and I think consume is maybe a good example of there's enough non high rarity consume cards that you can mm-hmm. make a budget consume deck. Yes. You um, can. So maybe that's a better example of it, but like wax and Wayne as a whole, I think yeah. most players, if you don't have it, you just have to let it go by because you're not going to have your rebellion generals and it's the queen's captain. And those, mm-hmm. those are the two you, you needed that six. Like you, mm-hmm. you can't play wax Wayne at all efficiently without the, without the three rebellion generals at least. Well, that was a really interesting conversation about the meta and, and really about game design communicate. There was, there was a lot of discussion there that I didn't even intend to get into. That was, was really awesome. Um, I told you we would record for about an hour. We've been going for an hour and 25 minutes, so I'm a liar. <laughs> um, but I just didn't want to stop the conversation because I thought it was really great and fruitful. And and I think people will be able to get something out of it, which is awesome. So thank you so much. But as we head towards sort of getting out of here, um, how can people get connected with you, um, DT Blade? How can people sort of see the content that you're putting out there, um, see the decks that you're making, that sort of stuff? Um, so on YouTube and Twitter, it's both at DT Blade. Uh, Twitch is full Dragon Tamer Blade. Um, Twitch is much less often. Um, but yeah, uh, got videos coming out on YouTube every single day. You'll usually see a tweet of the deck list if it's a new one or just letting people know what's going on. Um, I'm in a whole bunch of discords as well. I think I'm in like 10, 15 Legends discords. So okay. <laughs> people can get on me on all of those as well. Yeah, and he is in our Discord as well. So if you if you wanted to get at him through um, the Legends cast Discord, he's he's in that Legends cast Discord. Um, and uh, uh, we'll tell people really quick, because I know that the, the, YouTube al- the YouTube algorithm is is sort of um unique um so what do people what do people need to do to support you because I, I do want people to get to your content but i want people to support you so what buttons do they need to click what bells do they need to ring to make sure that they're actually supporting you on youtube uh so the cliche uh intro to youtube videos is always to you know subscribe to to get notified in your little feed they've also got that little fancy bell button i think that youtube added that you'll get a push notification on your phone uh, when videos are released, both of those are pretty sweet. Um, on YouTube, the subscribe one's the most important, and just you know, watching the videos, hitting the like button only if you enjoyed it. Um, I know people have no problem letting me know <laughs> if I say something stupid, um, and rightfully so. I should be held accountable, but you know, just any kind of supporting on the content is fantastic. YouTube okay. Machine. 
Okay, yeah, make sure you check out uh, DT Blade's uh, YouTube stuff and the, the decks that he's putting out there. If you want to get connected with the show, um, email me at eslegendscast at gmail.com. That's eslegendscast at gmail.com. You can join our Discord server. Um, make sure you check out our sponsor, Team Rank Star and Inked Gaming. And if you go to Team Rank Star up at the top, they have a drop-down menu for podcasts. We're right there. So if you're looking for kind of like all the places that the podcast is on, which is like, I don't know, like eight or nine different places, um, if you're looking to get a hold of the Discord, you can um, get a link to the Discord and invite there um, at the Team Rank Star site. Um, also, we have a Patreon. We don't have any patrons yet, um, but I just want to sort of like encourage people. Like, um, don't think that there's too little of support that wouldn't be encouraging to us. Like, honestly, if you supported us at like 25 cents an episode and a handful of people did that, um, it would make an enormous difference, um, both in the encouragement towards the show, but also in um like the the content that we could put out so you know a dollar four dollars a month something like that would would go quite a long way to sort of like supporting what we're doing and allowing me to get a couple pieces of needed equipment so i'm not using like an old borrowed seven-year-old hp laptop um to do all of my recording on and so that we can finish the recording room because i do want to put some some time and energy into it um and as always i i try to tell people like i'm a pastor outside of this so my heart is to support the community um with prayer and a listening ear so the internet is a great place to connect with people but can also be pretty dark and um dreary difficult and depressing. And so if you're in an, a bad stage in life right now, um, whether you're dealing with anxiety or you're dealing with depression or you're just going through something hard and you need someone to listen to you, I'd love to be here to be able to listen to you um, and also to be able to pray for you. So email me at eslegendscast at gmail.com. Um, I obviously don't uh, share any prayer concerns or anything that's going on with people's lives in the show. It's just between you and me and that's held confidential. So if you have anything going on, I would love to be praying for you. And I, I'm often um, communicating with, even talking on the phone with people in our discord and just sort of like mentoring people and supporting people who are in our discord so you can definitely plug in with that community because i have a heart to to support the tessel community any way i can um i think that's gonna about wrap it up for episode 13 dt blade do you have anything else that you'd like to add before we get ready and head out uh not much wanted to thank you very much for having me this was a blast uh, i love getting a chance to you know ramble about the game i had a great time here thank you very much for having me Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the show. Once again, check out Team Rank Star at TeamRankStar.com and Inked Gaming to get, you can use, I think, the code uh, TRS12 to get uh, 12% off your next piece of customized gaming gear. And that's not just uh, computer gear, that is tabletop gear as well. If you're a tabletop gamer like me, it's cool to get something customized. Okay, that's going to do it here for episode number 13 of Legends Cast. Make sure to come back next week and catch episode number 14 as long as I don't have another child in that time. Um, that's that's going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards the meta, and the community of Elder Scrolls Legends. If you want to support Legends Cast, you can always leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, or you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash legendscast. Be sure to come back next week and make sure that you check out our sponsor, both Inked Gaming and Team Rankstar at teamrankstar.com.